Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the True North CFL podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Leach. You can follow me on Twitter at aka Jimmy Leach. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Taylor Curry SK. I'm Carter Kennington. You can find me on Instagram at Carter Kennington. I'm James Tees. You can follow me at James underscore, uh, James underscore Tees on Instagram. And I just want to say this, I'm a friggin' road grader. Nice, nice. And you may notice uh, another host in James here. He is on because we have a special segment coming up later on in the show. But we are going to kick this thing off with game one of last week, where BC beat the lowly Red Blacks 29-5. And I got to say, Taylor, you were right about Deron Carter last week, man. He scored his first oh, touchdown. Yeah. Of the uh, year. I knew it. His, it was the breakout game. Yeah, it was. It was ten. <laughs> Week fourteen. It was ten fantasy <laughs> points. But there you go. And then, all right. So we'll get to our questions here. In the off season, should Ottawa get a new head coach and rebuild, uh, sort of like Chris Jones did with the Riders in 2016, or keep their current staff? Uh, I don't know if it's the right decision to get rid of uh, Rick Campbell. He he does seem to be a good coach and. Maybe these all weren't his moves to get rid of all these guys, but th- this could happen to any football team if you let your your stars go. So uh, I don't think they should get rid of them. Yet. Yeah, it looks like it was just sort of unfortunate in the offseason how everyone just decided to up and leave in the same year. So, I mean, I can't really see this down year as, you know, his fault entirely at least. So I think releasing him's a bit rash right now. I do agree. I just want to say that no amount of money would have kept those players there. They wanted out, so it's not really his mm. fault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think most of them probably did. Yeah, but the the fault on this one, in my opinion, it's squarely on Marcel, uh, Marcel Desjardins, their GM, because he did oh. lowball all of those players, and some say that's why they left. So... If if there's someone to point the finger at here, it's not Rick Campbell or his coaching staff. It's the general manager. But they've dug this hole for themselves. They have to dig themselves out next year. <laughs> All right, so second question here we have about that game. So is Ottawa the worst team in the league now, even though they have more wins than BC and Toronto? Uh, I definitely think so. It seems like Ottawa got uh, lucky at the start of the year. And uh, they're just, they're not a good team. Like BC, their first win doesn't really count. They kind of won by technicality, but I mean, they put up 29 last week. So uh, no, I think they're definitely worse. And Toronto has a lot going for them. They just have to get the wins. Uh, Yeah, I I think Ottawa's the worst team right now. You look at the beginning of the year and it was like, you know, Toronto's doing, you know, they're not doing great. BC is also not doing great. And so everyone was sort of looking at Ottawa through the rose-tinted glasses, sort of seeing like, oh, okay, you know, in comparison, they're not bad. But now everyone's sort of figuring it out, except Ottawa. They've pretty much done the opposite. So it is, is it possible to be a three-way tie? Uh, no, I'm no. kidding. I think, <laughs> no, I, no, I, think, no. I think they're all terrible, but I must say, I, I put a Toronto ahead of BC as well as Ottawa. But man, uh, I think them and BC are right there. I feel like... Uh, BC's just as bad, but I think they're both equally terrible, okay? How how about that? That's fair. I would say if I had to rank those three teams right now, I'd put Toronto on the top of the three. 
of the dumpster fire power rankings. And then we <laughs> and then we go BC after that because it looks like their O line finally is starting to figure it out after 14 weeks. They're slow learners, yep. but they figured it out. <laughs> and um, Ottawa is definitely hashtag deadass last Derek Taylor. Um, but yeah, they're they're by far the worst of those teams. And then yeah, yeah. BC looked good, but is that? Only because they're against Ottawa, or are they actually improving? Do you guys think? Uh, I think it's part of it. Like they did play well; they scored twenty nine points, and I mean, you have to do something to put up that many points. But I think we'll see in the coming weeks. So they play Ottawa this week, but they play Montreal the week after, and then they play Toronto. So uh, I think their true colors will show over the next couple weeks. Yeah, it's really hard to say with, um, you know, I really wanted to see BC play a different team this week because, you know, they're starting to get some success. Is this the real deal? Well, we're going to have to see them play the trash bags again, so who knows? And well, I mean, that's I honestly, it. I honestly think this game was a fluke. I think uh, <laughs> Ottawa wins. Uh, I think Ottawa might win this next one. I th- Just because, man, I hate, I hate to bring this up, but, like, Look! Look what happened to the Bombers and uh, Sask uh, after the Banjo Bulls. Uh, oh. Winnipeg came back and crushed them. This could be the case. It's anything can happen, but uh, it's tough to say because these teams both suck. True. Yeah, but the first the first game wasn't as uh, like this game wasn't as you know close as the Labor Day Classic was between Sask and Winnipeg. That's true. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Their O line is just a bunch of pylon. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, where do I go with this one? I think I think BC's getting better. Do I think they're a good team? No. But I'm saying they're definitely getting better because we saw improvement of their O-line the game before this. And they continued to build on it this week with Riley. I don't think he got sacked once. I think he only really got hit during the Duran Carter touchdown. So I think they're improving, but... They're still in the dumpster fire power ranking tier, in my opinion. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I totally mm-hmm. think so. Should make that a thing. We got the real power rankings and the dumpster fire. Power oh my god, rankings. yes. I think that's a little tough in the 19 league. That's true. But, uh, well, maybe I, when I'm we get to 10. I'm I mean, get the Atlantic scooters <laughs> in here. It's, it's, it's clearly not tough because we all know who's in which true. league. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alright, now moving on. Would... Ottawa be better off sticking with Jonathan Jennings, or do you think they should go back to Dominic Davis, or even give their third string a try next game? Uh, I think you still have to put a show on for your fans, and I think Jennings is your best option. Uh, like Dominic just couldn't play when he was actually playing, and uh, while Jennings may not be getting the wins, he is throwing for 250 yards, running for some yards, so I think he's your best option right now. And then I think later in the year when it's absolutely uh, impossible to make the playoffs, then I think you throw your third string in just for some game time. Okay, yeah, I get that. I was sort of wondering where you're going with that. But yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was kind of starting to think, like, you know, is it time to put the third string in? Do we know who that is? Because I it's, uh, His last name's Arndt. Can't remember his first yeah, name. Will Arndt. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess you could say he's aren't a very good quarterback, oh, but I'm... <laughs> sorry, y'all. Sorry. sorry. Uh, that was great. That was awesome. Okay, his first name is Will. Sure? Okay, his first name is Will Arndt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I can see them sticking with Jennings right now. I think it makes the most sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, once they're fully eliminated, because it probably won't be too long now with the crossover being in effect and everything, and Montreal's, you know, probably making a case for that second position, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, I can see them putting Martin yeah. for a couple of games, just, yeah, getting him some game time. I suppose it might be a little early to be thinking about next year, uh, it, it being September, but I think you got to... I think you got to stick with Jennings because uh, Dom Davis uh, cannot get it done. Well, neither can, but I suppose <laughs> uh, Jennings has the higher upside. I'm not exactly I, sure. I would say, yeah, Jennings <laughs> has a better great upside. Way to put it. Because Davis I'm... is 29, Jennings is 26, 27. So Jennings is also younger. Yeah. And he's had success in the and league. I mean... He's thrown for 5,000 yards. Dom Davis can't say yeah, that. Yeah, he's just got to get back to that. Go for it. I mean, in in Ottawa's like in Ottawa's case, I think it is time for them to start looking at next season. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. All right. So, moving on, and then congratulations for again the BC Lions allowing zero sacks. Wow. Who would have thought oh, that would miracle. happen this year? That that Renfro trade with Calgary was a nice. That one. was. Will BC play spoiler for any teams that are bound for the playoffs, do you guys think? Uh, I think that they'll still fall to the really good teams. Like, that Montreal at BC game in a couple weeks will be really tough for them. And then, uh, yeah, they play Edmonton and Saskatchewan after that. So, uh, it, they could, but I don't see it happening. Those other teams are a little better than that. Um, I honestly think if it's going to happen to one team... I feel like they're honestly just going to screw Edmonton and they're going to keep Edmonton locked in sort of that fourth place, still crossing over, but they're not going to get any conversation of cracking into like the top two in the West. I agree with Good point. I I do agree with the Edmonton statement only because Edmonton has this thing where they start off very strong every year. Then they slowly peter out to say winning one game and losing two than winning one. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they fade True. near the end, and I think they could easily do that. Well, and we still don't know how long Trevor Harris is going to be out either. So. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think if BC is going to play spoiler, I think it's going to be in that game against Edmonton for sure. Edmonton is definitely on the downtrend, and with BC's O-line improving, it could be interesting. Hey, hot take. Maybe they uh, go on a little winning streak somehow and uh, take it to the spot. Oh, no. no. Way. That's, that's, that's a bit too hot there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bit... That's extra like... spicy. We take we take mild yeah. spice takes. Come on, Taylor. That, 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 that was good, because Kilgore is due, dude. Oh, that's true. If you look at his numbers <laughs> yeah. when he played I mean... uh, in Toronto, he was brutal. Two and ten. I mean, to be honest, though, if if you are taking today's Edmonton versus today's BC, it is a bit of a toss-up. Yeah, it it is like, definitely. Yeah. I would not argue that. Like I could yeah. understand. I I personally, I would still take Edmonton, but you could argue both sides. Yeah, you, oh, you definitely. Know what, you know what I love hearing every time I watch an Edmonton broadcast? This team has got the best defensive line. Well, uh, <laughs> your wins sure don't show. It. Saskatchewan <laughs> is staring at you with a a certain look on them. Right now. <laughs> and yeah. Winnipeg is laughing. Yeah. yeah. So on to the second game of the week where Calgary won uh, the game in a nail-biter 19-18 to at McMahon. Now, guys, 
Was it me, or did Bo not look good during that game? Uh, might be you a little bit. He still threw for 342 yards, so got his team to win. I mean, he only had one touchdown, so he's not a, a you know, like, a four-touchdown-a-game yeah. guy. He's the best at winning games, and he does it how he, how he can. I mean, yeah, he's he's definitely not a detriment to the team. He's, like, when you add him to the team, he's a plus. But, I mean, he's not what... I don't think he's what he used to be. I think he's starting to decline. I don't know how many years he has left. Uh, well, I, I suppose being a Calgary fan, I've been spoiled for so many years uh, with Bo that I think that this was kind of a step back for him this game. But I don't think he's taking a decline. I think teams are starting to figure him out, if that makes sense. That's yeah. possible. It could also be that he's still recovering from the injury, too. He might not have all of his arm strength back, but... What, yeah, exactly. What I, no no yeah. doubt, yeah. Like, what I saw was just... His accuracy seemed a bit off in the first half. Like, he was missing guys left, right, and center. It was like, what? I, you, well, they couldn't get in the yeah, end zone. Yeah, Bo's like the yeah. guy for accuracy in the league now that Ricky Ray is gone. So it's just like... Yeah, it just it just seemed very uncharacteristic to me. <laughs> I think Calgary has a tough decision this offseason. Like, he does have a big salary, so you dump him and stick with Nick Arbuckle, or do you keep him around and get rid of Nick? Or do you let Bo explore the NFL again and roll with Nick? Yes, exactly. These are hot takes, but then again, my man Huffnagel got rid of uh, two guys that were still very much contributors to uh, two teams, like Nick Lewis and Charleston Hughes. So uh, that is and not Micah a shocking. Johnson. Yes, yes, Micah Johnson. It's not a shocking take, but that man's wanted too much money. Yeah, yeah. that's true, and we gave it to yeah, him. Yeah, true. I mean, Bo isn't making as much as Mike Riley. I think Bo's making it in the seven hundred thousand range, and Mike Riley's making over eight hundred. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, both are. You know, those aren't great. Those aren't great salaries to have in a league like the CFL, but. You know, it hasn't been a detriment to Calgary as much as it has been to BC, so I don't know. Oh, yeah. But also, Bo's a game manager. He's Well, uh, I use the term lightly because sometimes that can be uh, I don't think that negative like... connotation. Oh, Matt Nichols. I, I don't like how that gonna... hasn't. Because uh. I don't think he's going to throw it. He's not one of these dudes who throws the tons, tons of picks, rather. Like, he makes not stupid decisions like other yeah. dudes will. Like, Bo, he throws it. He's just... I don't know. I I compare him more to Ricky Ray than a Matt Nichols. You know, he's just he's a pocket passer. He's accurate. He's got actual arm strength. Ricky Ray wasn't really known for that though. So that's why it's like, hmm. you know, I just I see him as more of a Ricky Ray type, where it's just he's an accurate passer. He can't. He's not going to use his legs on you. He's not going to beat you that way. But no. He's going to beat you with his arm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because uh, Nichols does not throw for as many yards as this man. Will oh, and Bo is not scared to throw it deep. I know Nichols, some yeah. statistics show him that he isn't afraid to toss that ball either, but yardage-wise for Bo, well, you know? Well, I think, I yeah, yeah, I think, like, you know, yeah, Nichols isn't afraid to throw it, but when you look at just a head-to-head comparison between Bo and Nichols, it's clearly Bo's side. Oh, yeah. That's why I said Bo is more of a Ricky Ray than uh, Matt Nichols, in my opinion. Yeah, I get that. Uh, side note: Bo Levi's contract is a four-year contract worth almost three or three million dollars. Okay. Uh, yikes! Jeez. So, like, he's making six seventy-five this year, and at the fourth year, 
by fourth year, he'll make 725. Dang, that's a lot. So, not too bad. So, I guess this is another question that some of us are asking, is, um, how does Hamilton keep winning without Mazzoli, QB? Well, that's, that's what I'm wondering, too, especially with them kind of rotating running backs. Like, Anthony Coombs is the starter, but you give the ball to Brandon Banks four times and Braylon Addison three times, and it's it amazes me that they're winning the way they are, but I think it's in part to their defense. Uh, I think Calgary, you know, they're just a better team this week. Yeah. You know who I think is hating this a ton right now? Montreal fans and Montreal Alouettes oh, players. Oh, God, yeah. Just seeing, seeing Hamilton, they're just like a skeleton crew of what they should be. And they're just like, and they keep getting, oh, I don't know if skeleton crew is the right word, but you know, they're still winning. And, you know, Montreal's still got like a good core together. And it's like, they just can't catch up because Mont- uh, Hamilton won't let them. That's yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, that is. Or this is one other thing I think. Or is Masoli really that good? Or was it the team lifting him up? Ooh, yeah. Like, that's, that's a, a hot take. That's take. a hot take. That's, that's a hot take, but we take those yeah, now. We're, we're yeah, going yeah. for mild to spicy takes here, guys. Because yeah. <laughs> that's a stud defense, and they got a, they got a pretty solid offensive line that's uh, keeping this man upright. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, and you have Brandon Banks out there and Luke Tasker and Addison and Acklin. And, yeah, like you, he's got a lot of targets and stuff. So, yeah, that's a really good point. I wonder. I wonder what would happen if you put Masoli on this year's Alouettes. Like if you put a healthy Masoli on this. I year's mean, Alouettes. he's a similar quarterback to VA, so I don't think it would hurt them that much. A better question, I think, would be what it would happen if you put Dane Evans on Montreal. Now that's a oh, very different okay. story, in my opinion. That would be a better way to yeah, tell. Like Dane Evans would not have the success in Montreal at all. I don't think. All right, somewhere. Okay, yeah. So. Has Dane finally proven worthy of being more involved in their offense with Hamilton now? Uh, yes and no. Uh, he's he's proving to be manageable. I mean, they're win- they're still winning games. They're uh, they've only lost three games, so he he's doing pretty well. But uh, I wouldn't be looking to sign him as a starter if my quarterback went. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that he can get more involved in the offense. I mean. You know, Masoli's not coming back this year. You might as well make do with what you got. He's winning you games, at least. And when and the games that he's not winning, they're close. Like, they're, he's not getting blown out a ton, at least. No? I think he's one of these bubble guys who people are scared to give him starter money if he does make it to the market. Because mm-hmm. he already has a pretty good contract now. I feel like he's uh, like how John Jonathan Jennings was. Was oh is he capable of being a full time starter elsewhere besides just a relief guy, or how people saw Dom Davis? It's it's kind of up in the air because it's one season. He could be a one hit one. That's true. Because uh, yeah, Taylor, did you not say you thought of him as a career backup? Oh yeah, absolutely. Still do. Like yeah, oh yeah. Like like I said, I would not put him like if he was a free agent and I needed a quarterback, I'm not looking his way. Yeah, I would definitely be looking more at Mazzoli or Vernon Adams in this free agent crop of quarterbacks. But yeah, for me, I, I think he's done well. He's thrown for over 300 twice in a row. So I think I'm more confident in his quarterbacking skills, especially because those games were against, you know, one of them was against Calgary, which is that defense is no slouch, especially Trey Roberson. 
yeah, going back going back to that uh, QB thing, I just want to ask, um, if you were a GM making your own team, you have a quarterback situation going into this free agency, do you take Masoli, Nichols, or Strebler? Neither. I'm taking uh, Vernon Adams. I'm throwing everything in the kitchen sink oh. at Vernon Adams. I would either, but durability is definitely a factor. Uh, Masoli is not a big guy. I know people say that doesn't matter in the CFL, but he's only 5'11". He can only take so much punishment, and oh, yeah. he tore his ACL, which is, like, major. Not not yeah. as bad as tearing your Achilles, but yeah. still pretty yeah. bad. And then last question here for this game. Will Calgary take first in the CFL, or in the West Division at least? Uh, I think so. Um, I just – everyone kind of doubts Calgary, and, I mean, I, I even have my doubts about them this year too, but – they do that every year, and uh, I think they'll take first place for sure. Um, you say that Calgary has some doubters, and I'm still one of them. I don't think at the moment that they will. They've beaten uh, subpar Edmonton twice, and they barely scraped by Hamilton. So I just want to see them play. I want to see them play Saskatchewan. I want to see them do their back-to-back against Winnipeg. I know that's keeping it till late, but I feel like those games are going to be really important. Man. Though I'm a Calgary fan, I'm all, I'm probably Bo's biggest doubter and the team's biggest doubter. But, you know, every year they prove me wrong. So uh, I'm going to say they do finish first place. Even though I don't think they will, they're just going to because I always doubt them. Uh, for me, Calgary stole the gold standard of the CFL. Even though the Bombers in the regular season right now are killing it, um, I think that all the teams are going to experience the wrath of Bo in these next coming weeks. And I think, yeah, it's just, I think they're going to get back to that number one spot in the league, or at least the West Division. Uh, Hamilton's got a very easy schedule, so maybe they take the whole league overall. But I think Calgary squeaks it out and just beats Winnipeg for first in the West Division. Yeah, me too. So on to the final game of the week here. It was a shootout between Montreal and Saskatchewan, where Saskatchewan came out 27-25. With last-minute heroics again from Brett Lowther. Now, guys, did the Riders prove they can beat a top team when fully healthy? Oh yeah, I I absolutely think so. Um, I think they could go against any team in the league and win. Uh, I think they could go against any team in the league and lose, but I think they have a better chance at winning. I uh, yeah, I I agree with that. I think that uh, Saskatchewan. I've always had an idea that they're one of the better teams in the league. I mean, ever since they got past that poor start. But yeah, I mean, on any given day, any team can be any team in this league. But I think, yeah, Saskatchewan are certainly favorites when it comes to majority of those matchups. I do agree. I do see them definitely as a top three or four team in the league. I just feel like it's football. You win some, you lose some. Uh, anything can happen. And uh, I do think when they're healthy, they are pretty more scarier teams to face. Yeah, that's true. I think Saskatchewan right now is... They're on the cusp of probably... There's there's a tier... We talked about the dumpster fire tier earlier on in the show. But I think there's like... You know, you got your top teams and your mid-tier teams and then the dumpster fire. And I think the Riders are just on the cusp of being one of those elite teams. So yeah, they can they can yeah. really, I think, beat well, anybody. Who would, you, who, would, who would you put at, as the elite teams The elite right teams? I have okay. Calgary at Winnipeg right now and Hamilton and the Saskatchewan can be Hamilton there some there, weeks yeah. and then some weeks they won't it just depends on how they show okay, up I get that yeah 
And then... So, do you guys think Saskatchewan won that game, or did Montreal lose it? Uh, I think Saskatchewan won the game. I mean, it was the second week in a row where they had a game heroic, like a last-minute drive to win the game. Uh, two weeks in a row for Brett Lowther. Or, sorry, two two games for him. But, uh, yeah, no, I think they won that, and Montreal just couldn't stop him in the end. Yeah, I think I think the key to beating Saskatchewan is you've got to you got to take them down super, super early and just eliminate any any chance of a comeback. Because if you leave that door open, they're going to kick it down. So, I think, I think their play styles are uh, very different in that I find Montreal's very fast. And they uh, blow their load, so to speak, in that they, they peter out very fast near the end. Yeah. And I, Saskatchewan comes on strong at the end. And I think that Saskatchewan won it. Uh, the other way, and then Montreal lost it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Saskatchewan, what a way to win on the anniversary of the 89 Grey Cup, where Ridgeway hits a field goal to seal it. And we see a similar end in this game, but yeah, I think Saskatchewan won that game. Montreal was in it, credit to them the whole way, but the great teams can manufacture drives at the end of the games to win it. And right now, it looks like the Riders are, you know, one of those teams that can do that. So, I'm going to say they won that game. Now, speaking of that field goal, is Lowther the most clutch uh, field goal kicker in the CFL right now? Uh, I think he's one of them. Like, he he definitely deserves to be in that uh, elite group. And uh, I don't know if anybody else saw, but the TSN came out with their kicker rankings and he didn't even make the top oh, seven yeah, we're so gonna get to that Don't think, worry. yeah yeah i think that's an injustice yeah. so no i think he's one of the most clutch kickers i don't know about the most like justin medlock's pretty good and uh i mean lewis ward's pretty good so i i'd put him up there for sure though like top three i mean it, it pains me to say this because you know i am a big bomber fan but i don't think medlock at least this season is as clutch just because we haven't, he hasn't needed to put on those like you know game-winning kicks, like because he he usually has to do that once or twice a season. I don't think he's had to once this year. So right now, just because of you know the amount of times that Lawler's had to do that, I think yeah, I think he's probably one of, if not the most clutch kicker in the league right now. Uh, I'd say he's one of the most clutch kickers, but not one of the best, I suppose. He shows up in big moments when it matters. That's why he's super clutch. Not that he's um, always on top of it. I agree with that. Yeah, Yeah. good point. For me, I think he is the most clutch kicker in the league. He's not the best kicker, but he's the most clutch, in my opinion. Now, hmm. Who would you guys have as the best? Oh, oh, it's sorry. okay. Yeah, we can talk about that before I move on. Um, yeah. Who would you just say is the best? Ooh, I would say it's Lewis Ward. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I, I think it has to be, though. You know, 69 consecutive field goals. Well, that discounts the two he missed in the playoffs, so I don't give that number much credence, uh, but he's definitely probably been the most accurate kicker over the last two years. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's definitely up there. Yeah, like, I, I'd put him up there, but Sean White's pretty clutch, and you don't really hear anything bad about Rob Maver. Like, he's just That's quiet, true. but he's yeah. just, he's consistent, so nobody I know, and Rob's a punter, too, right? R so usually if you're talking about yeah, special exactly. teams, you're talking about the place kicker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do agree. Yeah, he's uh, one of the best at the coffin corners, I suppose, Maver, mm. but 
punters don't get no love. That's true. That's nope. true. true. And then, so Taylor alluded to this. We were going to talk about... Uh, we, we've been having some hot takes on this show right now, but this is a really, really bad one from TSN. Like, this isn't hot. This is, like, whatever the inverse is. A cold take? You know, a frozen take? <laughs> so, they ranked the top seven most viable legs in the CFL. Number one, they got Lewis Ward. Number two, they got Sean White. Three, Rob Maver. Four, Sergio Castillo. Number five, Justin Medlock. Six, Richie Leone. And seven, Liram Haralahu. Now, guys, we just talked about Lather. He's arguably one of the most clutch kickers in the league. Does he deserve to be on this list? Uh, more than maybe some of these guys on here. Like, he absolutely deserves to be on there. And he deserves to be, I think, in the top three, four at the least. I mean that that list when I when you read that off to me I was just like my jaw dropped at just not even like the fact you know of Lawler's ac- uh, absence but the way that some of these like the way that the rest of the list is like I don't understand just some of these positionings on the on that I understand Ward first John White second right that's what you have uh, yep yeah I mean I guess but like you know. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just like me showing salt because Medlock's fifth, but I don't know. I just feel like that's a weird order. At least your Who... kicker made the list. <laughs> Who is uh... yeah. that? Hey, Fair hey, enough. My, my kicker <laughs> didn't either, but who's at four? Uh, yeah. Number four is Sergio Castillo. <sighs> that's I just, BC's? I, yep. I just, I just okay. don't like the name, so let's get him out of there. <laughs> <Damn. laughs> I actually like Sergio Castillo. Yeah, he's just a good yeah. guy. All right, so... For me, if I had to put Lowther in, which I think we all agree he should be on this list, and take a player mm-hmm. out, who would you take out? Uh, I think Sergio Castillo, probably. <laughs> I mean, he's not he's not helping them win much this year, you know? Like, he's, he's kicking extra points maybe a couple times a game, but, you know, he's, he's not doing a lot, so I'd take him off. I, I get where you're coming from. Like, he's a good kicker, but yeah, I mean, the team's not giving him much uh, to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. his sample size is very small this season. I suppose you can't really... Uh, I, I suppose um, you can't really get much deviation from that on how good he is, considering he's barely kicking. So I suppose your team's got to score a little more if you want to get on there, pal. I would move Rob Maver down a little bit. I'm keeping Castillo and Medlock on. I am going to take off Richie Leone. And... Put Lather at probably number three. Because that's not a diss at Leone. He's a great punter, but that's all he does. It's the same thing for Lewis Ward. Lewis Ward doesn't do kickoffs. Uh, yeah. So it's just. You could argue to move him down, but I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't like the name yeah. either. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't either. either, but I don't like Luke Mulder talked so about, yeah, he there. only does one role, which I found interesting. But, yeah, for me, it's Richie Leone. It's just, you know, I don't know, two punters on that list. Again, I don't know. Lowther for sure deserves to be on there. Thurum Haralahu has been great. So I can't take him off yeah. in good faith. I said I like block, Sergio though. Castillo. Um, Justin Medlock. Can't take Justin Medlock off. Sean White's, like, mm-hmm. underrated as heck. Nobody talks about him. And then, yeah, Rob Maber, best punter in the league. And 
Lewis Ward's the best place kicker. So yeah, Lowther at number three for me. And then, where do you guys think Saskatchewan will finish in the West this season by the end of things? Uh, I think two or three. Uh, it just kind of depends what happens with Calgary and Winnipeg. Like, in my opinion, Calgary will take first, and Winnipeg will start to fall. Sorry, Carter. But, uh, my heart. yeah, I, 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 think, uh, I think second or third, and, and it really yeah, it just depends what happens with Winnipeg. Carter, you are saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll go, uh, I'll go on the record here. I, this is probably going to make me look really dumb in a few weeks. But um, this is my hot take. I don't think Saskatchewan will be hosting a playoff game this season. Ooh. Ooh. Another hot take. Um, because I think that I think Winnipeg can usually, like the really late games, Winnipeg can usually get a couple of wins there. And it's hard to see, like, I just, yeah, with Calgary on the rise. And I don't think Winnipeg, I think Winnipeg will slow down, but I don't think they'll fall as hard as you're expecting them to. Fair so, enough. Fair That's enough. why I think I think it'll be it's either going to be Winnipeg Calgary Sask or Calgary Winnipeg. I, hopefully, yeah, I didn't list point. the same thing twice. Yeah, you're good. Okay, yeah. good, good. For me, it's just. Ooh. Oh yeah, Taylor, what were you going to say? No, I'm good. What about you, James? Well, what do what do I think? Yeah. I uh, hot take here, but I th- Winnipeg's going. First to third, I'll tell you that much. And uh, Sask is going to be second, yeah. and Calgary is going to be back on top, baby. Dynasty, I, I tell you. I, I actually agree with James 100%. I think Winnipeg falls. But in Saskatchewan, yeah, well, goes and... into that number two spot. I think it just shows how strong the, the West side oh is and that what those three teams are, because you could literally argue any combination from first Honestly, to third. Honestly, yeah. My, my one question I've always wondered is why is the West so strong when compared to the East right now? I don't know, and it makes me mad. <laughs> like, does anyone have a theory uh, on that here? I don't know if this is a theory, but I just find people the the give a poo level. Like, people care way more in the West about football, and that attracts the people who are from the states, uh, the players rather. Because they want to be playing in front of big crowds, not like in Toronto where you're playing in front of 17 people. Um, well, what, what irritates me about it is that, you know, before the Red Blacks came in, that was sort of like, you know, as soon as the Red Blacks came in, that's when the Bombers sort of started to kick it up into gear and start making the playoffs again. We would have had first locked up for like four years in a row, essentially, if we were still in the East right now. Like, like maybe this year we wouldn't get it, but like every year before we would have had first locked up if we were still in the East. Yeah, pretty much, because I know I think last year the the first team was close to 500. They were just a little bit over in the East, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't it's, good it's like that every year. year. It was the top oh, three yeah. teams in the West would, would have finished first in the East if they oh, were yeah. in the East. But yeah, I think you're right, James. I think it's the people want to play in front of crowds of people that actually care. But how do you get people in those big cities to care? My question. Uh, I don't know. Maybe start them out in football young. Uh, well, like, s- playing see- it like playing it to to start them young because just from playing in the like uh, football out west, it's just uh, like my, when I played. For people who don't know, I played college football out here in Toronto. I just like when I played juniors in Calgary. 
our crowds were tripled the size, and it was a CJFL team compared to a college team. And the college I go to has 60,000 people, and we barely draw a crowd. It's people don't know anything about football out here. I think another thing, too, about that is uh, we talked about this off air, but let's say for Toronto, for example, you know, you got a hundred bucks. Are you going to spend it on a Raptor ticket, a Blue Jay ticket, a Leaf ticket, or an Argo ticket? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know they're not all at the same time, but not everyone can afford to go to games all year. So are you going to spend your summer going to Toronto Argo games or checking out other stuff? So I think they just have a lot to compete with in some mm-hmm. of these cities. Like BC too, not that they have many other major sporting teams there besides like the Canucks, but uh, there's just so much other stuff going on there and a lot of people don't care about it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. Shout out to Winnipeg and Saskatchewan for having pretty much nothing else. I mean, Winnipeg's got the Jets, <laughs> but besides that, we have uh, nothing. Oh, man, I lived in Winnipeg for a bit, too, and I know I know they love their Jets, and they're loyal to their Bombers, so I got to give them mad respect there. Uh, but yeah, they have in Ottawa, they have the Senators and, you know, the Red Blacks, and the Red Blacks are doing great right now, so... Shout out to Ottawa for being the team in the East that has a major team in their city, but they their fans still show up. Yeah, good point. The only thing I think they could draw more people is... I, I've been saying this since grade 8. The CFL needs a video game. Like a real video game. Oh, yes. Not a crappy mobile yeah, game. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I heard uh, Randy Ambrosio was doing those town halls and somebody asked him. I asked oh, him. oh, it was you? Yeah, I asked him if he was oh. going to make a game. Oh, and he said he said they had an esports uh, esports expert in Toronto tell them that they should just stick to their CFL Frenzy app. For oh my now, god! Or for a that while, that expert needs to get his Which head is, checked because oh, like, you know what kids grew up playing? They grow up playing Madden, Madden. and those Madden. kids you go on to be huge e-sports? NFL fans, and a lot of them. That I know they don't care about the CFL, and you know why? It's because they grew up playing the Madden football games. So they got to know the NFL players, the teams, and you don't have that with the CFL. And the problem with mobile games is they're so casual; they're not meant for like actual exactly. gamers. You know what I mean? Well, it's like, exactly. Yeah. I feel like you shouldn't you shouldn't take like you know when you look in the esports scene. I'm a big esports guy. You're like I just love to watch it in that. Um, the sports teams and that, they're starting to get more involved in it. But besides the NBA 2K League, Madden's done essentially nothing really for advertisement. Uh, MLB even less so, in my opinion. So it's like getting an esports rep to tell you if you should make a video game. I don't think that's the best yeah. move. Well, well, and you look at like the NHL franchise with EA. They have the WHL and all these leagues in Europe. But why can't madden even get an add-on of the cfl and then throw in the arena leagues too or something true like, it's nine teams it's yep. not that difficult to do exactly one, one in the whl it, i'm not sure how many teams are but i'm positive there's way more yeah than ea uh ea it's not like they have, they're headquartered in the united states they have headquarters or divisions in canada too so it's not like exactly. they can't have like a couple staff be like, hey, pay attention to the CFL and change the ratings, you know, every couple of weeks. And I know I know well, EA uh, is a greedy company. Uh I, I I don't think anyone here is under any kind of illusion with that. They they've been voted worst company in America for several years, but 
Yeah, Oof. hey, it's true. Um, but it, it, even if they want to make it so there's a financial incentive for them, make it a paid DLC. Like, hey, 10, 20 bucks, yeah. you can have the Canadian Football League. You know, I, I, would, exactly. pay, I would pay for that. Because I, I, oh, I always get the happily, standard edition happily. with games. I don't, I don't buy the digital mm -hmm. deluxe or anything like that. I usually just get the vanilla version. So, if, and I also feel that would like intrigue Americans. It could, because Americans well, are like, oh man, it's the same game every year. But if it's like, hey, there's this new game, the CFL has new rules, different stuff, blah, blah, blah. Americans are like, okay, let, I'll try this out as a change of pace. And they might like it, yeah, and they might three, start following it. Yeah. It'd also yes. be fun. It'd also be fun at an ultimate team. You get people from different leagues playing on the same team. You could have a, uh, you could have, you know, Tom Brady handing it off to Andrew Harris, you know, got stuff like oh that happening. Oh my goodness. That'd, that'd be, be amazing if they could cross that over. But I feel like that'd be difficult with ratings to just balance them. <laughs> well, like, yeah. I think you would have to have, that's like, little. a CFL, and then they'd have their own ratings. And if they went over to the NFL, they'd have to create an algorithm to drop the rating a certain amount, depending on aspects. What's kind of valued more? Yeah. yeah, that's one thing. Yeah, I feel like people would feel like a bunch of NFL fans would be very angry, rightfully so, if a CFL quarterback is, like, slashing every defense. Yeah, that's know? true. So they'd have to figure out an algorithm for that if they were going to have it so it could cross over. But Yeah, but you still got to make it playable, yeah, too. But it's for a hard me, thing yeah, to do. They, it's not like EA hasn't built a working CFL modification into Madden. They did it in 2013. It wasn't released, but they made one. So it's not like oh, it can't be done. Exactly. It's been done. You know? I was about to say I'm going to pick up Madden 13. <laughs> oh. But let's uh, let's shout out Maximum Football, the Doug Flutie Maximum's football game that yes. comes out in September this month on the 27th. Uh, they're making a Canadian football game. Can't use the teams uh, or the stadiums per se. They make them look a little different, but it's the closest thing we have right now. Yeah, go show support. Go pick yeah, it up. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, go check them out and prove to Randy Ambrosi that there is a demand for a CFL video game. That's why I buy it every year. I, I bought the first one, but I haven't bought another one, so I'll have to look at it. The, the second one was better than the first okay, one, good. but the third one here looks like it's going to be a, a big step up for them. Oh, well, that's good. But for me, it's just, I, I don't get how Randy Ambrosi can sit there and say, you know, we don't need a CFL video game when that's why you're losing all these kids. You want to get young kids into it? Get a video game. Kids play video games, you know? Like... It's just... Well, and you, you want to spread the game globally, and that's a good way to do it. That's the, a way a lot of people are connected in the True. world. Like, yeah, everybody games, you know? And, yeah, it's true. Like, I wouldn't know some teams if I hadn't picked up NHL and been like, hey, look at all these teams of the WHL. I wouldn't know half of these if I didn't, you know, go in. Well, exactly. They weren't in that game. Like, yeah, I remember watching... NFL but not really paying attention but then playing the games and seeing like the cool players like Michael Vick and my favorite was uh, Jeremy Shockey back in the day so oh, yeah yeah but yeah same it's the same as CFL like if kids can go and be like hey there's a league from my country there's a CFL you know and they go play that and they're like oh this is really fun this is really good I want to go see this live and then they go to the exactly. games they follow the league like, I just, I 
don't see how it this can be a disadvantage to the league. Oh, I totally agree with you. So now we get on to CFL Fantasy. Now, for the recap notes here, the only thing I'm going to say is stay away from Ottawa players because Jennings did not look good last game. He had a good game, though, uh, two weeks ago. But yeah, I would stay away from him this next game and see if that was just a fluke or not. Now I'm going to move on to value picks where you guys tell me if I miss somebody who's 3,500 below and might be a decent pick. So, for value picks right now, I have Nate Bahar at 2,500, uh, Jonathan Huff at 2,500, and Chris Matthews at just over 2,900. Uh, I think you did got some pretty good picks there. Is it 3,500 or 3,000? It's 3,500 and below. Okay, well, I think uh, Jackson Bennett for Hamilton is a not-bad pick. Uh, I mean, he hasn't been consistent, but if you're looking for a cheap running back because you're stacked at quarterback and receiver, he's not a bad option to take. Uh, yeah, I think you got most of the, like, I think you got all the good ones there for cheap. Um, yeah, I can't really add much to that. Still sort of wrapping my head around fantasy, so I'm not going to add anything that could be false. So I'm going to be quite frank. I'm not the biggest CFL fantasy guy, so I'm going to have to take your word for it. All pal. right, all right. Well, for me, it's the reason I don't have Bennett on there, Taylor, is because I don't know what Hamilton is going to do on their running back situation week to week. Like, half the time their depth chart isn't right, so it's just... Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, who knows what they're actually going to do. Yeah, like, the only way I'm picking is if you're in that Hamilton locker room or you somehow got a source tells you 100% who their running back's going to be that week. (laughs) <laughs> Otherwise, I'm steering clear of that situation. That's why I only have those three on there. Fair enough. Now we get to the best positional picks of, for each position, and you guys tell me if I missed somebody. So for the two quarterback options for this week, the only two that I see that are worth taking are Mike Riley and Zach Evans. Do you guys think there's another guy that it could potentially be picked this week? Uh, at 9,300, I am picking Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, he's going up against Toronto's defense. Uh, it's in Toronto, but that doesn't really matter. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm taking Bo. I like your picks, but yeah, I think Bo's a safe pick. He's expensive, but he's safe. Um, I think, I think you could make a case for, uh, taking Chris Drebler. Because if he does as well as he did last week, you know, it's like some, I've heard some people be like saying it's like having a QB and a running back in the same position because, if he is like if he can be accurate, then that's a really good pick for only uh, seventy five hundred. So that's what I think. I'm not going with him, but I could understand if somebody would. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with Vernon Adams. I think this man's gonna have a solid game this coming up week. I'm putting all my money on him. Okay, guys, uh, don't take anything I say with a grain. Take everything I say rather with a grain of salt. <laughs> when it comes uh, to fantasy, I don't yeah. play CFL fantasy, so so don't. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. No, yeah, it's fine. He's just expensive. Yeah. Well, the reason I'm staying away from Vernon Adams is yeah, that price and his matchup is against a very very elite Winnipeg pass defense that could potentially stop. A lot of the pass game. So you might see a lot from Standback, actually. My opinion. 
even though Montreal oh, does have some weapons, Winnipeg, they locked down Saskatchewan pretty well. And Saskatchewan has, I think they're pretty comparable compared to the weapons they have. So. I, I have Montreal with the upset. Oh, okay. But that's, 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 a, that's just that's me. A, that's a that's hot take. Me. I'm just, that's just a hot take. I just, I have this gut feeling, I'll tell yeah, you Yeah, like for me, yeah, standing back is just too big of a risk for his price. Uh, Bo? Bo is a great real-life quarterback, but he's never been a good fantasy quarterback. So, yeah, 100%. I am tempted to just stay away, even though he's playing Toronto. Again, he's expensive. Honestly, I'd feel more comfortable taking MBT because he throws touchdowns more than I would Bo, even though Bo is definitely a better oh, QB. That's fair. But his his price has gone up now. He's over 10K. Yeah, 10, yeah he's 000. a 10K quarterback. I just looked and saw that number. Still, I'd be more confident with him than Bo this week. So, I think Mike Riley, yeah, just because of matchup, he's a great option. And then Dane Evans, if you're looking for some lineup flexibility... He's going up against a Edmonton defense that is on the downtrend. So, it's a hmm. good option to consider. Now, we're going to move on to running backs here. For the running backs I have to consider, I have James Wilder. I know, hot take. At just over 9,900. William Standback at 7,600. Kadeem Carey at 5,300. And Brandon Rutley, minus his price. 51, or 5000 yep, $5,011. $5, now, guys, did I miss anybody there? Or, you know, would you take someone off? No. I think you hit it right on the head. Uh, I got Rutley and uh, Carey in my lineup. And, uh, like, I would have picked Standback, but just against that Winnipeg defense, I mean, he could get four yards like William Powell did. Um, but yeah, I'm taking Rutley and Carey, so those would be my picks. I mean, it's it's hard to say with having Wilder there, because if you have Wilder there, you could make the case almost to why don't you just shell out the extra 1,000 take Andrew Harris, if you think, you know. But I mean, with Andrew Harris playing with Strebler now instead, you know, you don't have Nichols constantly handing him the ball. Strebler's going to take a couple, so I understand that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that Standback and, and Carey are both very good picks. I have Carey in my lineup, so yeah. I also think I wouldn't take Wilder playing Calgary, and I know people may think there's a set there, but I think Calgary's going to, since Bo's back, this is going to be his game where he's going to show why he is who, why he's paid that much. Yeah, so that makes sense. For me, I put Wilder on there because he had three all-purpose touchdowns uh, last week. So they use him a lot in the red zone, clearly, and he's also a receiving threat. He looked like he found his game uh, when he last played, so I I'm taking a hot James Wilder on there as a viable option. I don't have him in my lineup, but I can safely say that he should have a decent week. William Standback has, uh, at 7,600, I think he's a good pick because, like I said, I think uh, Winnipeg will shut down Montreal's pass defense and they'll have to pound the rock a lot or they'll have to throw a lot of screens. So that only benefits Standback. I also have Kadeem Carey against that Toronto defense. I think he's going to have a good game. Mm -hmm. So for receivers, we have a good amount of receivers you could consider picking this week. We have Brian Burnham. I wasn't on that train last week, but I am now. At just under 9,700. 
Braylon Addison at just under 9,200. Eric Rogers at 8,300. Mar Durant at just over 5,400. Rodney Smith at just over 5,200. Juan Bray at just under 4,500. And Tavon Smith at around 3,500. What do you guys think of those? Are there any receivers you would uh, take otherwise in fantasy? See, I, I got two that aren't on the list. Uh, I went really expensive with Reggie Bagleton at 11000 oh, And I went really out. cheap with Deron Carter at thirty-five. Oh, you're going back to Deron? <laughs> oh, you know it. All right, all right. Oh, Playing the same team, I think he can do it again. Ooh, all right, all right. That that's an interesting take too. Um, how about you, Carter? I mean, I think you guys got them all pretty much. Um, yeah, I'm, you've got some good guys on there. I they're all listed. Um, I've got Tavon Smith in my lineup, so I think it's going to be good. But yeah, I mean, you got them all. I don't much to say, but if I'm not mistaken, Bagleton might be out with a concussion. I'm not exactly. And I know he finished Ooh, the. I hope fin- not. He finished the game last week, but yeah, he was injured for a bit there. So if that's a concussion, he could be out. And for a yeah. good chunk of that game, he was out and sitting at eight points. So if there is some trouble there, I just I want to avoid him this week. Make sure he's fully healthy, and then if he puts up another good game. He'll be back on this list next week. Now. Fair enough. For team defense people, I just have the BC Lions D is the only D you should consider taking this week. Um, is there any other defense you guys would consider putting in your lineup? Uh, I think if you're adamant about having a defense, I think uh, Calgary at just uh, over 5,000 isn't a bad pick. They're playing Toronto. Um, and they've been having uh, great games lately. So I think if you like defenses and you make sure you have one, Calgary is a good pick. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, personally, I'm not going with a defense, um, but I like the BC choice. I also think that there's substance to having Calgary there as well. So yeah, I'm not picking one, but I see where you guys are going. And James, do you have anything there? Uh, no, nope. not really. That's Sorry. fine. Yeah. Fair enough. Again, I'm not picking Calgary's defense just because of their price. Um, just a little bit too much for me. And Toronto, they haven't been throwing a ton of interceptions anymore. They're not that team. And I just... I think BC, they got 15 points last week. Even if they regress a little bit to, like, 10 points, I think you're winning. Yeah, yeah good point. Now we get into the last part of fantasy, our locks for this week. For me, I have Braylon Addison, just under 9,200. He's probably the most consistent receiver in CFL fantasy. And he's a little high-priced, but... Yeah, I I still like him at 9,100. I think that's a good one. I'm taking Deron Carter with my lock this week. Uh, oh yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I think uh, I think you know lock. he had his game, and uh, I think he can do it again against them. And uh, I mean, he didn't have the most yards, but uh, who knows? Maybe this is the start of something great between him and Mike Riley. Yeah, well, speaking of Mike Riley, that's my lock, and coming Ooh. in at just over ninety five hundred. 
Uh, he dropped 30 against Ottawa this past week. He had 30 points. And I think that, you know, playing against the same team, I'm honestly expecting more of the same. So I think that maybe not 30 points, but I'm talking just in general about the game. I'm expecting it to go up around the same. So I'm expecting 25-ish from him. Well, with mine, I'm going to say carry because he's going to carry the Stampeders offense this week against Toronto. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Keating carry. I like that pick. Especially against that weak Argo run defense. So, we kick off our first surprise segment. CFL Draft. We are going to be having a segment or show about the draft whenever the rankings come out. And we'll probably have one the week before or a couple days ahead of the CFL Draft. That's why we brought our special guest on this week, James. He plays U-Sports football right now. Um, he knows a good amount about the draft, and so do I. So he and I are going to kind of talk this out. Now, James, you have a list of the top 20 where re- you reviewed the players. You feel free to elaborate. Uh, y- yes, sir. So uh, I'm just going to quickly go through the list of who's on it. At number one, Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle, Oklahoma. Two, Chase Claypool, wide receiver, Notre Dame. Uh, Nathan Rourke, uh, starting quarterback for Ohio University. Not Ohio State, but Ohio That's uh, Sage Doxtator. He has a very weird last name. Uh, uh, O-line, New Mexico. Patrice Rene at five, DB, North Carolina. Dijon Brissett, number six, wide receiver, Virginia. Uh, Kettle Assay, O-Line Laval, <clears throat> at number seven. <clears throat> at number eight, Adam O'Claire, LB Laval. Number nine, Mason Bennett, defensive end, North Dakota. Number 10, Daniel Joseph, defensive end, Penn State. Number 11, Carter Donnell, offensive line, Alberta. Number 12, J.J. Molson, he's a kicker at UCLA. Number 13, Thomas Jack uh, Cardilla, offensive line, Buffalo. Number 14, Brendan O'Leary-Orange, wide receiver, Nevada. 15, Mark Anthony DeCoy, DB Montreal. 16, Dylan Griffin, offensive line, Western. 17, Dev Lamour, DB Buffalo. And number 18, Adam Sinegre, quarterback, University of Calgary. 19, Tyler Ternowski, wide receiver, Waterloo. And number 20, Jesse Lawson, offline. Now that's the top 20 so far. And I guess I can kind of go now if you'd like to, be able to elaborate. Sure, on let's do your review picks. first and then I'll get to my questions. <laughs> so this is what I first I want to say. Neville, Gallimore, and Chase Claypool will not see the CFL. They may not be first-rounders as of right now, but I see them being day two guys, second or third-round picks, because. Claypool's been a longtime starter at Notre Dame and is one of their biggest threats, as well as Neville Gallimore has been a starter uh, just after his freshman year. He became a starter, but he has had a few injury concerns. But these guys, just the way they're playing and the teams are on, they are too good to even sniff the CFL. I don't even think they'll be or if they are at the end of the draft, only because they are so good. But then that's only... Fair. Sorry, yeah, that's fair, you? I would say. Um, just to clarify, you do mean... Second day of the NFL draft, right? Yeah, second day of the NFL draft. 
But for Rourke, I don't see him being drafted in the NFL, but I see him maybe getting a training camp or uh, invite or even making like a practice squad. But if I if he does make the CFL, I see him having a extremely long career uh, because he's been domis, dominant at every level of football he's played, even in the States, being a guy who grew up and played in Canada. Not one of these guys who was born to the States, went in CAA. No, he played in Canada, CAA. Then <clears throat> Sage isn't really an NFL talent, uh, but easily could be an instant starter with his uh, background. He's a four-year starting tackle. Uh, in New Mexico, he's the offensive lineman. But the one thing I do say that hinders his ability is that he's a pure tackle. He's six foot seven, six foot eight. Not going to be able to get good leverage if he if he's a guard because he's so tall. All right. Um, but here's like a little side note with guys I have coming up. I find this is what I find: guys who go to the states but never play youth sports, but they they don't get playing time in the NCAA, kind of lose a step. Because they're essentially just practice squad guys. They may be playing Div 1, but they're not getting real reps, and they're not playing three downs. So I find this kind of hinders them. Uh, I'm trying to remember this gentleman's name. I think it was Nate Anderson. I saw him at the Combine. He was decent, but I just felt like there was guys who played youth sports who were outperforming him by far. It's because he's just one of these guys who doesn't get meaningful reps. Oh, okay. Now, would you say that would uh, no, apply to someone like Dejon Brissett, or even in last year's draft, like a Justin McInnes or Braden Lenius? Maybe. So this is the thing with Brissett. He could. He's by no means NFL caliber receiver. He played at Richmond University, which is more of a academic school than athletic, and it's an FCS team. He did tear it up there, but at Virginia, right now, he transferred. He's been injured, and he isn't really a role player. He's just there. And I think he's going to be a high CFL draft pick, but I don't see him making uh, make, going to the NFL or making that level. But Patrice Rene, he's a starting defensive back in uh, North Carolina. And, he, 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 this, and he's been a starter for one year. This is his second year starting. But with the way his eligibility is, he can go back for one more year if he wants uh, to North Carolina State, the Tar Heels. But I feel like he should go back for another year and chase that NFL dream instead of settling for CFL. I think NFL is very achievable for him if he has a good year this year and goes back for another Yeah, I would agree with that on Rene, uh, especially with that ACL tear he had. I know that would definitely kill his NFL draft stock, so he might want to wait and go back another year and try again for sure you know because that's the story that goes jonathan kongbo who from last year's draft was also supposed to go and get drafted to the nfl but had an injury when he played at tennessee and stock fell and he ended up with the bombers so yeah in reality at their school they are a starting talent it's just a matter of injury exactly so yeah i would if I were him, I would definitely go back a year try to make it well. Yeah, then Kettle for the uh, the tackle from Laval. You know what you're getting. He's a Laval lineman, so he's obviously very good. Laval is closest to CFL. It's like when people compare Alabama to being like an NFL team. That's essentially what Laval is in the CFL. Yeah. So with that said, 
he is gaining some NFL interest because he's he's a very good talent, but he's very raw. He <clears throat> does he possesses skills to play in the CFL, but he has a very high ceiling and has a lot to go. Uh, but I do see him being a stud in the CFL, possibly breaking his way into the NFL. Not being a Laurent Duvernay-Tardif of the Chiefs, because he's on another level, but maybe being one of these guys that gets a shot maybe on a practice squad. All right. Then next is Adam O'Clair. I think another Laval guy, he'll likely play safety at the next level. And I see him as an early pick. And I also see him being a safer pick because he's a Laval guy. But also... He's he's been a stud every year he's played, and he has one, I believe, is one more year left to play because in the CFL, majority of these guys get drafted in their then might go back for their fifth year. That's not always the case, but also depends. Being a of a a Quebec school type of guy because the way their eligibility works with the way they do high school, but I do see him being a safe pick and being one of these defensive players that will get playing time early on. May not be an instant starter, but will play early on in their career. And then uh, up next is Mace Bennett. He's a, a two-year starting defensive end at North Dakota. He's in his third season. Uh, starting last year, he led the sacks, led the team in sacks. I think he should be higher on this list because he's an NCAA, double, NCAA player that actually gets playing time. And gets against goes against quality competition rather than just being a depth guy, and maybe playing uh, FCS, but he's also going against some really solid talent, and he is he's big. He's got really good size, six four two sixty, but maybe if they want him to gain a few pounds, he could play three tech like defensive tackle, not nose, but defensive yeah. tackle, depending on his combine performance and how big he looks in person and a few other. <clears throat> then Daniel Joseph next is a defensive end at Penn state. And he's one of these guys that I see that is only ranked on here because he's, because he's a Canadian in the NCAA by no means, uh, not by no means. How should I rephrase it? I don't think he's going to be that good only because he's not getting any, Playing time, he's just going against guys at Penn, and he reminds me a lot of Nate Anderson, but slightly. Even though Nate Anderson is a second string, I just don't see him as being. I, I feel like there's going to be some U Sports guys that look better than him at the combo. So you think he projects to be a backup in the CFL? I think, yeah, probably. I think so, unless he can turn around. It's just one of these guys who I find hinders himself by staying on like one of these Power Five teams, like Penn. State. Just, I know they have that dream, but in reality, you're not going to get any playing time, and you're just going to be, you're just hurting your development because after a certain age, it's kind of tough to start learning new things. Yeah. And the next, the next one is Carter O'Donnell, longtime starter for the University of Alberta Golden Bears. He reminds me of Mark Tay in a sense, uh, a former draft pick from that school, because he's mean and physical and is. Probably the best U sports offensive lineman in this draft. Not like lineman in general, but from U sports or CIS. Uh, when I, I think he's going to kill on the combine and he's going to, his, his uh, stock is going to jump a ton. He's like Drew Desjardins. He wasn't very 
highly touted. He wasn't really on the list until you saw him at the combine, absolutely murk guys. And I see him being like him, uh, Desjardins. That once people see him at the combine, they're going to be like, "Holy crap, we want this dude!" But I also see he will probably be a guard in the CFL only because that's like I find most linemen. It's hard to find Canadian tackles that are successful. It's just, it's just the position. So a lot of guys who are like highly are very good tackles in U sports tend to be guards at the next. Yeah, level. the only real Canadians that I see playing tackle right now are obviously Chris Van Zyl, who's been doing it for a while. And then uh, Edmonton has Kyle Saxville, who's kind of been a rotational guy. And you've seen him play a little bit of tackle at the Canadian level, but he's by no means a starter right now. Yeah. But also I find it takes a little while for Canadian talent to develop. That's why a lot of people are sh- are shocked when later round picks in the CFL don't make a roster, but it's just the way the game they're looking for people who they think can develop. It's kind of a crap. Sh- yeah, true. The next one I do have that's on the list is J.J. Molson. He's a kicker from UCLA. He's made 43 of 62 career field goals thus far. He also handles kickoffs. But I just think just because he's in the States, he's on this list. To be quite frank, I think there's U-sports kickers just as good, or if not better. Because in reality, people are going to be like, oh, it's the competition. What do you mean? There's no competition kicking you up. I get there might be a better coming at you, but I he's just on this list where he plays. I definitely use sport kickers. I can't name any off the top of my head that are probably just and he's just on here because the UCLA. I could probably find a U sport kicker here. I have a list of prospects. Um name. He he's the kicker for Calgary. Here it is. Nico DeFonte. DeFonte. Yeah. yeah, he's very good. Look at the kick he had against UBC. That the playoff, he can hit ones like that. This JJ Molson's just UCLA is trash too. Like uh, I know that doesn't mean much. You can be a good player, bad. But Defonte, like he he's showing what he can do. And the, JJ Molson has had a lot of misses after uh, forty five yards, forty five to fifty, and <clears throat> Defonte's doing it. He's used to Canadian rules, I suppose. So I, I do think Defonte might be. Then Thomas Jack, he's a good uh, NCAA lineman. Uh, it will be great in the CFL. He'll be a safe pick because he's not going to be one of these dudes you pick up that's going to get uh, might be taken away by the NFL. I, I don't see that. He's been a uh, starting since a freshman at guard uh, for Buffalo, and I see him being just there's not I don't have a whole lot to say about him because he's just one of these safe offensive line picks because he's been a long time starter. Because he plays at a school like Buffalo, NFL teams don't really care about him. Fortunately, I do like to see Canadian guys succeed, but I don't think that's going to happen for him. Then there's Brendan O'Leary. He's one of these guys in Nevada that barely plays. He's a Canadian guy that plays. He's a depth guy that I've used this before. But I find him getting drafted high only because he's six foot four. It's really hard to find that big-bodied receiver uh, that's Canadian. I, there's not many that I've seen in the past few years. The only one I can remember as of really recent is Simon Ice, who's one of these big, I think he's 6'3", six, 6'4", yeah, six, one, one of these super big Canadian receivers, and it's always good to have one of those, so I think he'll go high. I feel like oh, they can probably develop him. I think it's a lot to 
as a lineman, I find there's not as much of a gap in skill, but there is with receiver uh, from CFL to NCAA. So I feel like he'll, it'll be easier for him to adjust. Now you've talked. And maybe develop. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now you've talked about U uh, sports <laughs> guys who have played versus NCAA deaf guys in certain positions. Now, do you think the receivers from the NCAA, do you think they have an easier time jumping to the CFL than the U sport guys, or do the U sports guys have the leg up there too? You know, it's re- that's a that's a very good question. I've always struggled thinking about for linemen. I know in kickers, there's like not as much deviation, but I think it's because about <clears throat> like we have the waggle and all that that it might be a little more difficult uh, for American receivers. But it's really tough. I find a lot of Canadian receivers, U sports guys, get drafted. They get drafted high, but then in a few years they're off the roster. It's because there's so many good. There's so much Canadian talent at receiver that you can only keep so many. Yeah. But yeah, that's a that's a good question. I'll I'll definitely have to come back to that one another time because I'm just not entirely sure because I find you you even see this in the in the drafts. It's I find it's always linemen and linebackers that are taken first and that have the most success that are Canadian. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, like you talked about the big body receivers. The one from this uh, recent draft, I'm going to say is, um, I think, you know, yeah, Justin McInnes, uh, he's six foot five, runs a four five forty. The dude, I think he had a good NCAA career. He had about 800 yards. I think he played D1. Uh, are those productive numbers, do you think? It's tough. It depends what school you go to. I think I think it was one season, or was it over his career? Uh, that was one season. He had eight hundred yards. That's pretty good. I think he played Nevada or UConn, and but neither of those teams have high powered. Oh, he played for Arkansas State. My bad. My bad. Yeah, uh, I think they're an okay team, but also I find he's. I bet he's just. I found he is more of a red zone type of dude. Uh, so that's maybe why he doesn't have all those yards. But I think that was pretty. That's pretty good, solid competition. He's not like um, O'Leary, who's like a depth guy. But yeah, I'll read you his numbers and you tell me what you think here. So in 2017, he had 49 receptions for 800 yards and four touchdowns. In 2018, he had 61 receptions for 748 yards and five touchdowns. I think those are actually very good numbers for NCAA, if you think about it, because they're playing 12 games. Yeah, those are some solid numbers, I think. But then again, O'Leary isn't putting up numbers by any means like this. Yeah. I mean, he has like 300. He Last season, he had less than 300 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Then uh, next is uh, Mark Antony. Decoy? I don't really know how to say his last name. I would say Decoy. Decoy, yeah. Decoy, yeah, yeah. Now, this is one of the best corners in CIS. He's a dog that likes to hit hit guys, you know? Montreal, the past few, as long as I can remember, has always produced really good defensive players and always has had a good defense in CIS. And I feel like this is the best corner in the CIS coming out of the draft. And I feel like 
if he has a good performance at the combine. I know I say this about some guys, but I truly see him moving up. Even though corners aren't usually taken early in the draft, I feel like him and Eau Claire could be these guys just based on how good they have been the past few years at their respective colleges. And then moving on to Dylan Griffin. He's a Western offensive lineman. He's like a Laval guy. You know what to expect. He's going to be extremely well coached. will be super technical. Uh, he's their best returning starter uh, by far at Western. And uh, I think he'll tear up the combine in one-on-one. Because the thing is with the OUA, I play in the OUA. I can tell you his firsthand experience. By far the best defensive lines. Because there's it's the biggest conference. But every week, this man's going against teams like Laurier, who've produced Robbie Anderson and uh, not Robbie Smith. Anderson. I forget the gentleman. Robbie yeah. Robbie Smith, yes. Quadwo Botang. Uh, yeah. Uh, my butchering the name. Okay. Sorry, but they produce good linemen, and they have good, very good linemen this year. And Guelph and and the teams like Queens. These teams all have some of the best defensive lines in Calgary. I mean, Calgary, my bad. Canada, rather. Some of the best lines in Canada. And he consistently eats. He he makes these guys look like amateurs who, against everyone else, uh, they destroy. They Some of these deal, for example, Guelph's uh, defense had, I think it was five sacks against Carlton. And I'll be getting to that later I'll, I'll just jump ahead and go to jesse lawson speak who's the last person in the uh top 20 i just want to hit on this first he he made he's in the top 20 but he looked like an amateur against guelph i'll tell you that because i saw that game their offense gave up tons of sacks uh i believe two pick sixes it was not a good game by then and yeah guelph has a good defensive line but if you want to be on the top 20, you got to be looking good against these guys. And he did not look very good. I thought, I think he's a boomer bust type of guy, but has a, yeah, there's a, a really high ceiling or he's just going to be crap. He shows flashes of greatness, but teams also want him because he's a massive body. He's a super big guy. And that's hard to find in CIS linemen. Like a lot of these guys aren't his size. Uh, he got beat inside a ton against Guelph. Guelph was probably his worst game I've ever seen. But going back to this, we're going to go back to uh, Day Lamar. Uh, has had tons of, not tons, but has had injury concerns when healthy and has been more or less a rota- rotational guy at his school. I mean, not rotational. When healthy, he has been a rotational guy, but he's got potential, but has yet to show much. He's uh, one of these guys in AA who I talk The next we have Sinegra. Sinegra has probably been one of the best college quarterbacks to ever do it, but he's also going to go down as one of these guys who are, who's never able to win a fan. Uh, I think it's tough uh, putting QBs also in the top 20 list if you're not Nathan Rourke, because... We haven't seen a good Canadian quarterback in the CFL in a long time. The only reason O'Connor was on, it was different rather, is because he's a big body. Because he played at Penn State and then transferred to UBC and he won a Vanier Cup as a freshman. That's, that's a different story. 
But then when it comes to Senegar, he's also struggled against top competition. He played U of S in the um, in the final for Can West, and he threw I think it was about four or five interceptions against uh, the University of Saskatchewan. And I think he was, I think he just struggles when it is in the big moments. Like he lost that Vanier Cup. They were, I believe, they were leading. And then uh, there's Tyler Turnikowski, great CIS receiver. Uh, compete with anyone at this level uh i'm surprised he is not ranked higher because his production's been very good but i also think he could be producing more uh just because but the thing is waterloo's offensive line is pretty bad so trey ford this season has not been getting a lot of time to give him the ball and then uh yeah, that's the top 20 from my perspective. Any questions, my uh, Jimmy? All right, so I've got a couple here. Um, let me pull them up. All right. So do you think uh, Adam Sinagra, after you did your evaluation, does he get a real shot with a CFL team uh, along with other QBs in this draft this year? I don't think – the only guy I see making it's Rourke. I hate saying that I do like to see Canadian guys succeed, but I think he's just going to be like – um, Christian Merchant, one of these dudes who was a stud in college, but just doesn't have what it takes to make the CFL. But that's no knock on him. This is not, I know it's Canadian football, but it's so tough being a Canadian and making a roster. Because yeah. there's Brandon Bridge, there's Hugo Richard, and then there's um, O'Connor. I think Senegra could make it, because I do think he's better than Hugo Richard. But I suppose Montreal might just be having him because he's the hometown kid. Sure. But it's going to be really tough. Who who wants to develop a Canadian talent? It's really tough, you know, when you could be spending that roster spot. Yeah, know. I kind of agree with you on that. But, well, I am going to fight you on some things because Sinagra, even a couple years ago, there was an article about him I read on 3 Down Nation that kind of caught my eye. He threw for 650 yards one game is ungodly um i can't remember yeah that might have been i think it was u of a but the thing was u of a not this year but years past statistically had the worst one of the worst defensive defenses rather in all of canada oh okay now uh i know you compared him to chris merchant there do you i know chris merchant didn't make it because he had a lack of arm strength do you see that in sinagra is is his arm the reason you don't think he makes it? No, I think his arm is stronger. I think it's... I know this doesn't... I know saying he's Canadian is a shit is a crappy excuse, but it's just the way it is. These guys aren't... It's not like in the States where you eat and breathe football your whole life, like some of these quarterbacks like Bo Levi did living in Texas. This guy's from Quebec. Though football's big there, it's just different. They're bred different in the States to play quarterback than you are here. Yeah, that's true. But is there a way, do you think, that we can change that to develop actual Canadian quarterbacks? I think make the roster rules a little different where you got to carry a Canadian quarterback. Oh, I was in full support of that when the CBA was going on. And shout out to Brandon Bridge who carried the torch for Canadian quarterbacks. Whether you love him as a player or you hate him, the dude made sure that when Canadian QBs start, they count now. So I'm, exactly. I'm glad on that 
front and we might see like we're seeing more Canadian quarterbacks getting car ca uh, carried on rosters where look at five years ago there wasn't really anybody maybe Brad Sinopoli I don't know if he converted to a receiver yet at that point but there were no Canadian quarterbacks now there's let's see there's O'Connor uh, Hugo Richard and I think Brandon Bridge right now who are either on rosters or probably are good enough to be on rosters. There used to be Buckley oh, uh, for Calgary, but he saw he was a good goal liner, short yardage type of guy. I think he saw the writing was on the wall and that they didn't really consider him as a future. Say if something happened to Bo Levi, he was always going to be a career backup, so he chose to go to med school and uh, go into a different profession. I'm not sure about that because in his last couple of years, I think Bo got hurt or had to step out for a game and then. They left Buckley in there. They didn't panic and run for another guy. So, No, that was near the end of his career. But I just mean, like, he felt, I think he felt like, you know, there's not as much money in this. I could yeah. be a doctor, have a much more secure that, job. Because being a Canadian, anything. That I 100% agree with you on. Um, yeah, I think he could have developed into a quarterback that, you know, is legit a mainstay on a CFL roster, but yeah, he chose medical school. I can't really blame mm -hmm. him for that, you know? Yeah. And then, you already answered this, but the guys that we're never going to see, uh, it's Gainville and Claypool, and... Uh, Gallimore and Claypool. Right, Gallimore, okay. And then, um, I know you talked a bit about Rourke. Uh, I, think, I think last year it was that I heard he might be a 5th to 7th round pick in the NFL. Uh, you said he might be a PR guy or a, you know, get a camp. Why do you uh, think he kind of dropped off that far? I think it's just the amount of core. It, also, it's an issue of playing not playing Power 5. He's playing outside the Big 10, the Big 12, SEC, ACC. Big, did I say Pac-12? Yeah, so the Power 5, he's not playing in. You get, I think it. he's not like Carson Wentz where he was playing at the school, but Carson Wentz was winning natties. He was tearing it up. Rourke is tearing it up, but not, not like he's like blowing the doors off anyone with these stats or he's playing against super good competition. I think that's the issue. I think, say, if he played for a team in the Power 5, uh some let, let's say he had these numbers and he was playing on a different team. I think NFL consideration, and if the competition was slightly better. Interesting. Now, do you? Oh, sorry. Look, look, look at look at Malik Irons. He played at Ohio. He was running it down everyone's throat, and he PFF had him very highly graded as one of the top backs in uh, NCAA, and he had zero NFL hopes. Yeah, that was interesting because, yeah, he was a good running back. And he played decently when he got time in Hamilton. He unfortunately uh, got injured. But, yeah, that's interesting. Sure. Um, now, do you see a team maybe that's weaker quarterback? I'm looking at you, Ottawa. Go and try to get both Sinegra and uh, Rourke, say, if you know they want to go Canadian that way. I don't see them taking two Canadian quarterbacks. That'd be, but I could see them taking Roar, 
and kind of grooming him. Maybe dumpster fire season, uh, be on the pain ranking, so to speak, just to develop him. But if they do, they need to get a uh, like or <clears throat> Davis. They need someone who's going to be able to. Because I think after, say, two or three years, he'll be done. He'll be what? Sorry, he cut out. He'll be a dominant quarterback. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying that if you're going to have Nathan Rourke as a quarterback, he's counting against the ratio, right? So if he gets hurt, you need to have a Canadian backup to preserve your ratio. So, you know, that yeah. might be where oh, okay, uh, yeah. Sinagra comes in. Or, or you could pick up... Uh, uh, Bridge? Uh, bridge? Yeah, they, yes, you could sorry. do that and have three Canadian quarterbacks. I'm not against that either, honestly. Oh, I meant just having one of the two. Uh, I mean, two of... Uh, not have Snag or have Bridge oh, yeah. and Rourke. I don't know. Yeah, I, I could see that Bridge and Rourke working. But yeah, I do want to see Snag get a shot too. So like I said, I'm trying to fit him in somewhere, you know? <laughs> Even if it's on a practice yeah. roster, just as a development guy. Yeah. And then... For sure. Uh, we were talking off the off the recording here. He said there's another Canadian quarterback who has some NCAA experience that's playing in U Sport right now. Can you talk a little bit about him? I forget his name off the top of my head. I know it's bad, but he's playing at the University of Toronto. I'll try to find his name Toronto's right now ranked, then, while you're talking. Ranked number ranked number ten in the nation, but they've only beaten Laurier Windsor. So. I take that with a grain of salt. They had a bye week. Um, so they could be just uh, won those two games and could end up being bad. But he's leading the nation in passing right now and has the best offense right now. Uh, and he used to play, if I'm not mistaken, at Washington State University. But it was like um, uh, O'Connor. He was never, ever going to play. So he transferred to Toronto, went 0-8, went to the scouting bowl. Uh, they went 0-8 U of T last year. Then he went to the scouting bowl, didn't have a good season. But now it's like he just flipped the switch, and he's throwing on everyone. Like, Laurier's defense is no slouch, and he only lost Waterloo by three points. Interesting. Now, for those of us who don't know, what is the scouting bowl? So the scouting bowl is like east-west. It's uh, essentially you go there when you're in your third year of eligibility in sports. All right. And uh, – you play against each other and uh, kind of it's a scouting bowl. And then you do some weightlifting and stuff in front of the scout. All right. And you said he struggled in that? He did indeed struggle in that. I don't remember exactly what it was, but his numbers were very unimpressive and his team got uh, blown out. All right. Now I found the name of the guy. His name is Connor Ennis. Yep. Yes. Yes, that is him. Yep. So. Maybe he, if he, if he has a light up year, people could pay attention to him, and he could be like a Michael O'Connor. But I just wanted to highlight that maybe there is a third Canadian quarterback at play here. Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like once they update this, he'll be on. <clears throat> now, for the last question I have for you, are there any guys that you see that are just on the cusp of making the top twenty that probably be in there next time around? I don't know about making the cusp. Mm, it's going to be tough. I'm going to be quite frank. I'm not sure anyone off the top of my head. But it's going to be, it's going to take a little bit of time to see how U Sports shakes out because guys have 
three games. And uh, this, I miss, they made this list definitely before, uh, in mind before the season started. Right. So I think as the season goes on, it'll. Yeah, they'll move some move and shake. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for talking about the draft with me, James. Again, we're going to be doing this um, every time a ranking comes out. And again, before the draft, we're going to probably do a show, maybe a little bit of a mock draft. And James and I will talk about that. And yeah. Well, thank you. It was fun. Awesome, man. Yeah, thanks for being on, and we'll have you on in the future for sure. All righty. Thank you. So on to our weekly news. Uh, Stephen Charles, uh, an NFL veteran Canadian, has signed with the Edmonton Eskimos. He likely projects to be a defensive tackle for that team. Trevor Harris uh, is to meet with a doctor and get a timetable for his injury on Tuesday. And then Rob Bag, the longtime Saskatchewan Rough Rider, has announced his retirement. Rob Bag will be remembered for just how hard he worked and coming back from two major injuries that are generally career enders, but the man just kept pushing through and kept working hard. I heard him on the radio today. He said he tore his ACL three times. and Ooh. Yeah, he still had a pretty good career with those yep. injuries. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, happy he was in the green and white. Yep. All right, so to conclude the podcast, as per usual, we have our predictions for the games next week. For me, I have Calgary beating Toronto, um, Hamilton beating Edmonton, Winnipeg beating Montreal, and BC beating Ottawa. Interesting. Uh, I have Calgary winning, and I have uh, Edmonton beating Hamilton. Oh. And uh, my hot pick of the week, I got Montreal beating Winnipeg and BC beating Ottawa. Oh, that's a hot take. I don't know if Carter likes that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, 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 re- I respect it. I could see it happening. I don't think it will. Uh, yeah. I've, got, I've got Calgary winning. Uh, Hamilton takes it over at Edmonton. I think Winnipeg wins, and I think BC beats Ottawa again. Makes sense. Um, those are our predictions. Remember to follow the True North CFL podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and our podcast is now available on several platforms, not just YouTube. If you search up the True North CFL podcast, you will find us on Spotify and SoundCloud. And be sure to like, share this podcast, and subscribe. This is the True North CFL podcast signing off.